This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we have two very special guests Mr. Michael McCormick and Mr. Taylor Dobby from Insurance Soup. And I brought them on here for a few reasons. Number one, because I like them. Uh, Number two, they've got some really cool stuff going on that they're doing with their new and very first live event that's coming up at the beginning of May. But they've also gone through, I wouldn't necessarily call it a rebrand, maybe you guys would, but sort of a reboot of what they've become known for online. And I wanted to give them a chance to talk to our audience about what they're doing there too, because they're doing some really cool things that I know is change, or they're changing the game for agents every single day. So what's up, fellas? What's going what on, man? Taylor, you can't change cups now that you know the video's rolling, man. Well, you're, you, you're you already gave me steel now. You already gave me shit about my coffee, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to water. There you go, there you go. So, in the rare event that somebody listening to this doesn't know who you are or what Insurance Soup is about, why don't we start there, and then we can we can I, number one. I hate the word unpack, and I can stop myself oh. saying it all the time. And I almost I almost said it right there, and Kyle let me. Yeah. It's about we'll, to we'll, roll off the tongue. It was by accident. It was actually probably appropriate in that use, but let's start with the history and go from there. Yeah, uh, we'll take it all the way back to the beginning. Um, Insurance Soup was started just as kind of a uh, an area for agents to be able to find out and communicate with other agents from other carriers. Uh, you know, I got my, my start in the industry with farmers. Mike was State Farm, and you know, by talking back and forth, we learned that he was doing things one way and I was doing things another. And, you know, when you have corporate always telling you how to do something, your, your eyes aren't open to all the, the other opportunities and ways of doing it. So we created Insurance Soup to have just kind of a community for agents to share what was working, what wasn't working, um, and no intentions of it, it ever being the size that it is today. Uh, we started it with, I think, 500 uh, agents that we were connected with and friendly with. And within, I think, the first 12 months, it got up to 5,000 agents organically. Wow. 
And then at that point we said, okay, like it's, it's growing quickly and let's, let, let's see what we can do with it to, to really kind of, uh, accelerate that growth. And so we've focused on just, you know, getting it out there to, to agents and it's, it's turned into a place that has allowed us to, to help thousands of agents, uh, build a nice career and be really involved just with the industry on many different levels. Yeah, what's been uh, what's been kind of fun and uh, and interesting about it is the uh, like the the origin of it all or the, the genesis of it kind of uh, kind of came together for fifty um, percent selfish reasons, fifty percent. Um, I don't I don't want to use the word altruism because that may, that's too heroy soundy, but you know, wanting to you know wanting to help agents avoid some of the same pitfalls that that we had bumped into. And when we uh, when we ultimately decided to get it started, it was on the heels of us uh, having a little bit of uh, a you know bumping of heads with a uh, a marketer that had taken advantage of a couple of our friends within the industry, and uh, us bo- both feeling me uh, specifically about one thing in particular, feeling as if the uh, the carrier that I was with was not being forthcoming about an opportunity. And uh, we kind of just said, you know what, we gotta we gotta get together and a bring all these agents into one place to glom onto them and learn from them and and you know see what they're doing and what they're using and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and also, if we're feeling this way as far as like you know either over promise and under under deliver from the carrier or uh, or you know in in some cases a straight up uh, straight up white lie uh, that that other agents were feeling that they had been you know bamboozled or confused or taken advantage of as well. And we wanted to create an environment where that kind of stuff could be put on the table to help other agents avoid, uh, you know, unforeseen pitfalls and unannounced impacts on their, uh, on their decision and agency. What it evolved to obviously became much, much bigger uh, and cooler and whatnot. But when we started this, it was with the intention of uh, a learning from everybody, not necessarily teaching the way you ultimately, you know, we were, we were called to do by a lot of the members of the group, but uh, you know, to to learn from everyone and to help expose and and protect the uh, the the producers and the agents of the industry from the motherships. So, how did you initially keep it from becoming like a bash board? Because it sounds like there was a little bit of a you know an issue that you guys ran into with the carrier not really being forthcoming, and you know, obviously you'd be upset about that. So, how how did you how did you keep it from being that initially? So. Uh, we have pissed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we have pissed a lot of people off along the way um, because we never intended to turn it into a business from the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of groups are created with the intent to monetize, and Insurance Soup wasn't. Uh, we didn't monetize or make a dime off of Insurance Soup uh, for you know beyond the first twelve months. Um, so with with it not being a business, we we ran it like a playground. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and we had very few rules. And we didn't tolerate any nonsense. Uh, if someone broke a rule, we, we, we used to have uh, executions. And we would publicly, you know, <laughs> execute the member. Uh, and then once we turned it into a business, the attorney was like, that's probably not the best idea. Uh, so let's treat it like such. Uh, well, but yeah, what's we, really we, funny about that is that we've definitely pissed off some people along the way that now that we're operating like a business and not a playground, uh, we would definitely would have preferred to have salvaged or maintained or, or developed those relationships and, uh, and whatnot. But you know, it's, 
early early lessons. Well, I mean, yeah. the thing is, man, when you start a, a group like that, doesn't matter if it's Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever, and you're not doing it with the initial intent to monetize. At some point, and, and I'm I'm speaking from personal experience too. At some point, you hit that inflection that says. I ain't getting paid a dime to do this. This is ridiculous that I'm spending this much time on this thing. And, you know, look, I'm the nicest guy in the world. I'm willing I'm willing to share anything that I know with anybody. But if it's taking 12 to 15 hours a day just to handle the business of a Facebook group, it's, pull, it's actually yeah. costing me money because yeah. I'm not able to focus on all of the other stuff that I'm doing. So anybody yep. that has a problem with monetizing a group like that, truly hasn't ever been on the other side of it. I mean, I can no. tell you, I had a group that was, you know, 50, 60,000 people in a much worse vertical market than insurance. An absolute nightmare to manage. Um, and, you know, cat fights every single day. If I hadn't worked in grocery stores where, you know, I was used to breaking up women fighting in the deli and the bakery for 75% of my day, then I probably wouldn't have been able to transfer over to, to running a Facebook group where they were doing the same thing. Ladies, virtually. ladies, there's enough lemon meringue for everyone. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, and the thing is, man, let's call it what it is. When you have a group like that of 5,000 people, there's a subset of that group that gets off on the execution. They're calling for Oh, yeah. You, oh, they, you, have, you they, have the mob out there with their torches just waiting for you to parade yeah. this person by. That's kind of my they, point. Yeah. Well, they we would, still we would call do it for it. in such a goofy manner, too. You know, like we would, we would go on to Google and we would, you know, we would Google, you know, medieval public, you know, medieval executioner. And we, <laughs> we would just find like the grisliest, most blood soaked images of these, these medieval executioners and post them with like, you know, the. The trial of the uh, the agent, as if there was a trial. You know, sometimes we'd have the Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, like you know, like you know, <laughs> yeah, it was thumbs down type of uh, thing from Gladiator. But yeah, the was, uh, the OGs of the group still call for the executioner every once in a while. Uh, you should have had and, the dude from No Country for Old Men with the yeah, flip with in there. That would have been fantastic. Prod. Yeah. So so, fu so funny enough, um, I, I did a majority of the executions in the, in the early days. And uh, one of one of our clients uh, in in the collective that uh, that's been with us for a couple of years, health insurance agent Mike Cardoso, uh, last year for Christmas sent me this giant, like very, battle very axe. impressive <laughs> battle axe that weighs easily 40, 45 pounds, along with like this 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 chain mask that goes over like, like it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't collect weapons. I don't, you know, Taylor on the other hand has got an, a, an armory full, but, uh, I don't collect anything. Nevertheless, medi medieval weapons. And so this, this, uh, this act shows up at the house of my wife saying, you know, what the hell is this? Like, why did you order this? Oh, I didn't order this. This was a gift from, you know, from a client, da, 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 da. And then about my wife's not buying that, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's no chance that my wife. Why did you order a order? giant battle axe? <laughs> well, well, here's uh, here's here's the rub. So about two and a half weeks later, this was right around Christmas. About two and a half weeks later, right after New Year's, uh, a partner of ours had sent us a, a uh, sent us an award for achievement with uh, within uh, you know within what we're doing with career insurance agents, our our aggregator, and. They sent me. They sent. They sent me a sword, <laughs> with you know my name's engraved on it. But two weeks after getting this battle axe, that's awesome. 
I get this sword, and I have owned no What'd medieval weaponry. Yeah, what did she say when the when the when the chainmail showed up? I mean, she, well, she didn't she didn't believe that I wasn't ordering. She it. just like you're you're larping around. To actually yeah. Yes, Michael. But why do we have this morning star in cat of nine tails? I mean, yeah, so you can say you're well, all learning. Mike send us some kinky stuff. Well, well, now, well, now, uh, now in my uh, now in my basement, uh, right over by my my oil burner, I have got an axe and a sword <laughs> just lying there, right out in the open for my ten year old daughter and younger children. <laughs> to access whenever they're down in the basement playing. Luckily, no one's been decapitated yet. Jeez. But it, 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 is, it, is not, it is not stored securely at all. Mm. So go mm. figure. So you guys have dropped a couple of things. You, you talked a little bit about your aggregator. You talked a little bit about um, career agent concepts. Why, why don't you delve into that a little bit before we get into the event? Sure. Yeah. Um, you want to take it? Yeah, I'll start. Uh, CIA, career insurance agents. Uh, we help agents open independent agencies. Over the last three and a half years, we brought on just under 200 agents. And we provide carrier access, the training support. We've got multiple contracts. And really what led to it was, you know, seeing... Well, what's been really neat is because we didn't start Insurance Soup, the intention to monetize, you know, we've been able to keep our ear to the ground. So everything we do is we pay attention to the industry and when the industry says they want something or they need something, we say, okay, how can we create a solution? So years ago, you know, we were, we were hearing a lot of frustrations around the going independent. So we said, okay, how can we create the solution? Um, I'll keep this short because this is a whole other podcast in its own. And instead, instead <laughs> well, of trying to create, it, we can do it. Oh yeah. No, this, this turned into a very long one. Uh, instead of trying to create our own, um, which we tried and realized much harder, uh, than what a lot of agents think. It's not just having an agency and then bringing on producers, calling them agents, making them feel like agents uh, to really provide the training support, everything across the board that you need to be able to, to offer that, that top-notch deliverable. Uh, we found a partner that's visions aligned with ours that we could complement and add to. And when you add one plus one, it equaled three. And since then, um, you know, after listening to the industry, we, we checked off all the boxes and said, look, like, this is what the industry needs. This is what they're asking for. How can we make it better and been able to provide it? Uh, we've done zero marketing outside of insurance soup. At this point, we don't even post about it because the calendar stays full. Um, and we've got three to four calls a day with new agents that are looking to go independent. And we turn away a lot uh, simply because we, we won't just take anyone on that has a license and a heartbeat. Uh, you know, we don't want to be their last hope. I uh, refuse to be, you know, a, a, a saving life raft. But if it's an agent that, you know, truly is looking to build an indep uh, independent agency and looking to succeed and do well, um, we've brought on just under 200, uh, 200 of them. Oh. Yeah, one thing that, uh, that, I, that I, I got a Pat Taylor on the back for is, uh, you know, he, he runs career insurance agents uh, primarily. It, well, one of the things that he does extremely well is, uh, you know, help agents understand the difference when they're inquiring about going independent, uh, the difference between whether or not they've got a problem because of their situation or if they've got a problem because of who they are. And a lot of people think that going independent is uh, the, the, you know, the, the turnkey answer for all your woes in this industry uh, as a captive. And for some, for some agents that are captive, that is the case, but there are plenty of people in this industry where it doesn't really matter what kind of ecosystem you throw them in. They just 
don't have the work ethic, drive, determination, ability to learn, uh, ability to, to market, ability to be creative, you know, continue the list on and on and on it goes. So, you know, one of the things that, that Taylor has and the team that he's developed, uh, you know, bringing on agents within, uh, within CIA, one of the things that he does extremely, extremely well is help the, the agents identify which one of those two categories they fall into. Yeah, I think the thing that differentiates you guys, I mean, I know there's some other people that have sort of tried to enter this marketplace now, but you guys are really kind of the OGs of taking somebody who really is used to going in and having agency in a box every day. Yeah. And giving them the opportunity to do that, but be independent, right? That's how I look at it. And, you know, there are other people out there now that have caught on to, hey, this is actually someplace that we could actually get some traction because there are a lot of people that are captive that are leaving for all kinds of, of reasons. And Google is their friend, right? So, you know, they're trying yep. to learn and figure out what they can. And I think that, you know, with what you guys have put together and the fact that it truly can be a one-stop shop for them, you know, that, that gives you a leg up, right? I mean, there's podcasts out there that sort of guide people through the process. There are you know, bloggers, there are other aggregators, but it's all kind of cobbling and piecing stuff together. And I have to believe, I can't speak from experience. I know you guys can, but I can't believe that if you leave captive where, you know, if you're, you're wearing red and khaki every day and you walk in and everybody has the same system. I mean, look, I might basically take out State Farm and put in Target because that's where I was before I got into the insurance industry. Everything was a common practice, man. Yep. So you knew how everything was going to be. And now you come out into this independent channel. I was in the independent channel and launched an independent agency and freaked out, right? Yeah. Didn't have, you know, I had to start figuring out how am I going to grow? How am I going to scale? Who are my friends that I can talk to that have already done this that can show me what not to do and, and advise me on things I should do. And I still made, made a ton of mistakes. You know, I yeah. didn't reach out to Facebook groups or anything else. I didn't even know they existed at that time. I was just worried about, can I write enough today so that I can eat next week? You know, and you know, that, that led to buying bad technology or not necessarily bad technology, just the wrong technology for me at the time and not, you know, not doing it in a sensible manner. So Kudos for you to have something that, you know, for all practical purposes, gives them everything they could possibly need in terms of a resource. And then building that around a social component that's sort of the glue that holds everything together in a, in a community that people can support each other in as long as they follow the rules, right? And <laughs> grow their grow their independence together. And I, I think that's, I think that what you've done is taking something that was done with the right intent to begin with, and now you figured out a way to still run a group with the right intent, but also get rewarded for that, both monetarily, but also with the satisfaction of knowing that you guys are making a difference for these people that are engaged with what you're doing. It doesn't matter. I mean, look, we can all sit and say the money doesn't matter. The money matters. It, it does. We, we want to get yep. paid for our time. I know what I'm worth. You guys know what you're worth. And there's a certain amount that I'm willing just to be, you know, give away for, for goodwill. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. But there's also a point where it's like, all right, you know, look, you're scheduling time with me twice a week for the last two months. This is no longer, you know, this is no longer a good idea. Let, let's talk yeah. about that. And so, 
I think it's a really, really delicate balance. It's a delicate balance internally. It's also a delicate balance for external perception because a lot of people see, wow, these guys have a huge Facebook group. They must be just making money hand over fist off of it. That's the only reason they're doing this. Da -da -da -da. Now, you, 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 don't, you don't put... It, there are some things you deal with when you're running a community like that. that there's no amount of money that it's worth having to deal with, right? <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, we've one of the things that I enjoy most is, is helping people, um, you know, and being able to help agents, watch them come from the captive side and, you know, go independent and have a record month, you know, 30, 60 days in, you know, to, to beat their highest month as a captive. And they're still going independent, like you said, is one of the hardest things you can possibly do. It's, you know, if you're on the captive side and it was overwhelming learning one carrier with a few products, try learning 15 with multiple products. Like it's, it's very complicated. So and, and, having to, and having to slap the tech together with, uh, with duct tape. Yeah. So out, outside of that, like to be able to, to provide, you know, careers for people like that, that's awesome to me. Uh, we've got a, a, a new guy starting on Monday and right here in, in my little town of Midlothian, Texas. Uh, you know, I was born and raised in this town. Our, our, you can ask Mike, he's here uh, a couple times a year. I've got a huge downtown area. It's, it's one city block, and it's kind of a historic area. And as a kid driving through it, I was like, man, it'd be so cool to have a business, you know, in downtown. Like, that's, that's when you feel like you've made it. And, like, having, you know, the, the headquarters of CIA here in downtown and being able to provide, you know, jobs to, to the community members, like, that, that's where I really, really enjoy. So I've got a couple questions. Um, first is, what's the most common theme when people are reaching out um, and they're trying to go independent that they are having issues with? And then also talk about, you know, you don't have to mention anybody specifically, but talk about one of your favorite wins that you've had um, recently. Yeah, so the most common uh, always comes down to, you know, production. An agent either blames it on a rate uh, which can play a huge factor. Um, or, you know, they're limited on their product line because of location. Uh, there's a lot of hard markets out there right now, and unfortunately some of the hard markets, like David knows, Florida's tough, and it's, it's not getting easier. Um, you know, Louisiana's tough. Uh, I'm, I'm just south of DFW, and, you know, property carriers don't want to touch anything with a roof. Uh, there are carriers that will fill those gaps, um, but rate always comes down to it or, you know, uh, being limited on the products. And then the, the other one is, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not producing. And it's not because of rate. It's, it's due to the agent themselves. They don't have the systems right, right. in place. They don't have the processes. You know, turning on your open sign and kicking your feet up isn't going to grow a damn agency. It's mm -hmm. not. Like, the, the first 12 to 18 months of, you know, being an agency owner, like, there is no free pound time. on the pavement. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, it is such a different game in the captive side of things. It, I, and mm -hmm. I, I mean, unless you're federated it's, or somebody like that that is specifically commercial. But I mean, you know, for me, I never really worried about, I shouldn't say I didn't worry about it, but I probably didn't put a lot of emphasis on where the business was going to come from. Because where, where yeah. I play, it's up to me. I already knew I had to yeah. go out and knock on doors. I'd already been knocking on doors and making phone calls and all of that. So I wasn't as concerned as to whether or not the production would come or not knowing what I was supposed to do. For me, the bigger issue was, 
how do I keep myself out of trouble? You know, like, yeah. what do I need to do from a tax perspective? How do I need to make sure I don't have E&O exposure? Like, what are those things that I need to be doing on a daily basis as an agency owner? And I had to get smart on that stuff really, really quickly because, you know, I tell the story on the podcast all the time, but for the first 18 months, it was just me. I didn't have an account manager or anything. And so I built the agency like you would expect a one-man operation to build the agency. I put automation in things that I knew were going to be huge service tasks for me, like certificates of insurance. Okay, we use these certs online for that. Now our clients can go pull their pre-approved template faster than they can write me an email requesting it. So I took that off of my plate. I, you know, and it, it, I just went down the line and there were some things that I thought were going to save me time that ended up costing me money and costing me time. And, you know, reflecting on that is really probably where I'm the most valuable to people who ask me for my advice. It's don't necessarily do what I do. Just don't do these three things and yeah. you'll be just fine. Well, you, yep. you know, it's funny. You you had just, uh, and I was writing the note, a note down so I, I could reference back to it. You just mentioned that uh, that you built your agency how you'd think someone would build uh, an independent agency. Uh, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, you know, everything that you just said is many, many steps further down the path than the average insurance agent that is opening their independent agency actually is beginning. Like, you used a word just now, automation, that like we're like, hey, new agent, hey, new agent, use this, use this, use this, use this, use this. And it's not until 9, 12, 18 months down the line until they got that epiphany like, oh, maybe I could have gotten 500 calls out today instead of the 12, you know? Uh, so, you know, ha you know, hats off to you. You know, obviously you're, you're one of the, you know, bigger and smarter brains in this industry and, and whatnot for you know, realizing that, not just for realizing that. Just that just general. means I got my ass kicked more, Michael. That's <laughs> right. all that means. You know, you know what? Losses are lessons, right? Yep. And, and, and if, they're, if they're not, then, uh, then, then they're really losses. So, you know, acknowledging and understanding that's obviously huge. But um, Yeah, I wish, I, you know, I'm kind of like Forrest Gump, man. I, I'm, I'm not a smart man, but, you know, I know what automation is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, my thought process was, Really, what can I what can I use to make sure I stay on the street and I'm not in the yeah. office? That that's really as elementary as what it was, and I had to find those things that did not require that, that would alleviate me from having to be in front of a computer or to have to hire a body. Because I started with nothing. Like I truly started with absolutely nothing. And it's interesting, you know. Yes, did, I think that there's a few things that people get mistaken about when they follow my story. And I don't really talk about it a ton on the podcast because there are things in there that I just simply am not gonna gonna talk about publicly. But I had a period of time where, you know, so so I and I, I take this back for a second because people question how how have you been able to scale as fast as you have? Well. The short answer is I've been doing this for 20 years. The longer answer is I had a non-compete, which means I opened up with absolutely nothing and bet on the fact that I was going to be able to AOR my entire book over when my non-compete was up. So there were yeah. a couple of years where it was really thin and then it got fat really, really quick because I was able to go bring my accounts over as soon as my non-compete was up. And so when people think, oh, well, you know, you had this, you had this legacy book or you started ahead. No, I didn't. I started just like everybody else had no business 
you know, I remember that the very first account that I wrote at Florida Risk was a guy, and he ended up canceling 90 days in. It's absolutely not the kind of business that I write, but it was, it, <laughs> you're going to actually love this story, Michael. I can't believe the divine intervention that is going to allow this to come out of my mouth. Okay. This guy had a roofing company. He ended up paying cash for his premium and that uh, for or like paid me cash for his down payment. I'd never had anybody just hand me cash for anything in the insurance industry before. So didn't even get a check. And, and I thought that was like weird. And like the first payment they made it, the second payment they made it, then the third payment didn't make it, cancellations come and everything else. I start trying to figure out what's going on. This guy <laughs> walks in on his now ex-wife getting it on with another dude on the couch in their living room. And here's here's wow. my favorite part. He grabs the samurai sword that was hanging above the couch. <laughs> no medieval toys for this gentleman. And just goes after the dude that had been, you know, playing leapfrog with his wife. Wow. So we've gone from medieval to samurai now. But, that, I mean, when you think about it, that's that's the kind of crap – that you deal with if you're going out and you're writing business out of desperation of having to write business. I yeah. couldn't turn I couldn't turn it away. And one of the things that I talk to producers about now is I think so many times we confuse activity with productivity. You know, we just write mm -hmm. business that keeps us busy. So we feel like we're pushing the, you know, moving the needle to where we want it to be. And we're always, you know, we're sweaty at the end of the day. We feel like we put in a good day's work, but really we've been running on a treadmill, not going anywhere. Whereas if you take the time to identify what it is you're going to go after and what you're really good at, and you don't ever deviate from that. And I'm not saying that you need to go super, super, super micro niche level, like my friend Charles Speck talks about. But you have to have an idea of the sandbox you want to play in, period. Yeah. You know, for me, middle market, the one catch all I have is if you have a mod of one or higher, that's the one, that's the safety valve. Otherwise, it's technology, life sciences, Department of Defense contractors, light manufacturing and service contractors. That's it. That's all I ever want to see or touch. That's the stuff I enjoy doing. It's what we're good at. But if you are any other industry and you have a mod of one or higher, I know that our value prop on the workers comp side can come in and help you. It just so happens that a lot of the time it's service contractors, light manufacturing that have the mod problems because they don't have people looking over their shoulder to make sure that they're performing right. So it makes it relatively, relatively simple. But, you know, I've got guys that, that I talk to that are part of different mastermind groups and everything else. And every time they reach out to me for advice, it's something different. It's a trucking account. It's a nonprofit. It's a hotel one week. It's this, that, and the other. And it's like, how are, like, I would be scared to death that I didn't have all my I's dotted and T's crossed because I'm mm -hmm. trying to write so many different things. There's no way you can know everything about all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. No, there, there's no way. But you, you touched on something, you know, being busy and being productive are two totally different yeah. things. Like, and I'll have an agent, like, uh, I, I need to increase business. I'm like, all right, what's your, you know, what's your schedule look like? Uh, well, I get to the office and I start <laughs> checking emails and, and I'm like, and then what? Uh, whatever comes up. I'm like, you're playing defense instead of offense. You're not controlling your schedule. If you don't have like set times to where it doesn't, and like nothing besides the office actually catching fire, nothing else matters. You have to be in production mode because if you're not ringing the register, like the agency is not going to grow. 
So being busy and being productive are two totally different things. And, and you being able to recognize that early on, knowing that you need to be out producing and not in the office. And that's why, you know, you started to incorporate automation and technology in the systems. Um, I mean, I, I would guarantee that has a, a very key role in, in where you're at today. Well, I think the other thing too is like the guys that are out there and the ladies that are out there making, you know, a couple hundred calls a week, you know, what, you know, even if it's just on the phone, they're doing that because they have it on their calendar every day. There's time mm -hmm. blocked for them to do that. I mean, that's the first step. You have to actually schedule it to be able to hold yourself accountable to it. And I was sort of la laughing to myself when you were talking about, you know, the asking the person what their day looks like or whatever, because I wanted to say, you do realize that you met the majority of these people in a Facebook group. They were probably playing on Facebook and all day I, and their I, other I, job, and they have be, no clue what they're supposed to do. You'd be amazed how many agents come to me, and they're like, my production, you know, I, I, I'm just not writing enough. I'm like, well, no shit. Like, seven hours a day, I see you in insurance suit. Like, yeah. <laughs> get off and go <laughs> produce. Here, let me help you. I'm going to block you for 30 days. Let's see what your production numbers do. Exactly. Or just tell them to shut their Facebook down for 30 exactly. days. Exactly. The, uh, the fire alarm in my office is going off. So I am I going to myself for a second and see what the heck's going on. It's because I'm mentioning unless the office that. catches fire. Well, right. dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this is the last that anyone sees of me, it's for real. Uh, that's <laughs> hilarious. So... What kind Taylor of timing on that? I mean, yeah, after right. you just talked about the only thing that should keep you from doing your scheduled stuff is your office catching on fire. This this may uh, go viral if, if that's dude, yeah, we that's start hilarious. Smoke if you just see him dive out the window out the back, smoke billowing through. Uh, he's on the second floor, so if Mike dives out that window, it's gonna be <laughs> a hell of a sight. Oh, For those man. of you who don't know, we do have this on YouTube, and it's worth a watch every now and again. You never <laughs> yeah. know what's going to happen on the video side. Taylor, talk a little bit about um, you know what you're doing for your educational piece. Like, you know, is it all digital learning center? Or are you doing live stuff? I honestly don't know enough about it personally, so I'm asking for my own information as well as having you share with everybody else. What's that look like? Yeah, so uh, Career Agent Concept CAC is what we started back in 2015. Um, started running Facebook ads, generating leads at a very low cost. I was just say it started as a marketing program, right? It did. Um, okay. And we, like you said, kind of rebranded in a way um, a little over a year ago and changed it to the Collective Agency Council. And instead of it just being marketing specific, we cover everything from systems, operations, best practices, you know, scripts, closes, sales training, you know, still have the marketing piece. That's where, you know, Mike is amazing. That's where he really excels is on the, on the marketing side. Um, I have to reel him in quite often. I'm like, all right, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, but like you mentioned earlier, you know, we want to provide the agency in a box. So on the, you know, the independent side, we can provide the carriers. We've got over 200 carriers across the board. We, we've got, you know, 60 plus team members behind the scenes that work in the office in the licensing department, commissions department, accounting department. We've got a commercial lines department, uh, you know, personal lines. But you can have all those pieces to the puzzle. And if you're missing that marketing piece, that, you know, agency operation piece, you know, that, that's not going to look the same in the long run. And so that's what CAC, the Collective Agency Council, um, you know, is able to do is provide that training on how to generate leads for your, you know, not only your agency, but your referral partners. Uh, really how to run a more structured and organized agency uh, just across the board. It's that agency in a box that we're going for. 
Yeah, I, I apologize, guys. My uh, my fire alarm did go off, and uh, seems like everyone's safe and sound. But uh, yeah, the, the the collective has been kind of like a, an evolution of career agent concepts. You know, career agent concepts was was all marketing. Um, you know, lead gen, automation, referral partner, locating referral partner. You know, landing the referral partner, keeping the referral partner. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we did it and we did it really, really well for, you know, for five years, six years almost. And uh, we got to a point where personally I started to begin to feel like what we were doing wasn't enough. Uh, I felt like we were providing these guys the ability to generate leads with with reckless abandon. I mean, you know, the the, one, the guys that really dug into it. Uh, you know, are all generating hundreds of leads for a couple of bucks a piece and are, are so flush with opportunity. But then when we would check in with some of them, you know, it would like they, they were improving, but they weren't improving at the level that they should have. And we would start digging in. All right. Well, what are you doing with the leads? You know, what's your process? What's going like, you know, what's going on with regards to sales training? What's you know, what are your processes? What what? And, you know, we would have these conversations with the agents and a lot of them will look at you almost cross-eyed. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're, you <laughs> well, know, I mean, like, listen, man, you and I both know this. Good marketing highlights horrible processes. Like, there should be no question as to where the breakdown is. You should be able to look at your business and figure that out. Because in, in the worst time to do it is when you have a bunch of leads coming in, but it's also the easiest time to do it because otherwise you may just limp along and never realize. But I mean, if you're ever going to scale your business, you better be able to drink from a fire hose. You better have the systems in place to make sure that stuff happens. And with what you guys do, or at least what I assume your constituency to be on the lead gen standpoint, you got to do it quick. You know, these people are out shopping on the internet. They're not, they're not going to sit around and wait until you're, you know, ready to call them back in three or four hours. They went to your, your, your ad, they requested a quote, probably thought they were going to get a quote, you know, right out of the box, not somebody to call them back after they fill out a short form. And by the way, let me throw a disclaimer on here. I have no idea that that's how Michael and Taylor do this, but this is typically what you see, you know, on internet marketing. And then it goes and gets delivered to somebody's CRM that sends an email or whatever else. <clears throat> by the time your, your whole automation works, several minutes have already transpired and they've already been to two or three other sites and done the same thing. So it's a rat race. If you don't have have a way to get those leads assigned and have somebody follow up with, on them almost immediately, you're dead in the water. So for people who aren't writing business and think that going in and immediately starting massive marketing campaigns is a great idea to do it, you need to do it in tandem with making sure you have your kitchen in order and you have your processes in place, or you're going to end up destroying your brand if you're not careful. I'm dealing with my fire alarm again, guys. <laughs> no, you're fine. I figured. Uh, I no, was you're waiting fine. For Go it. ahead. Uh, Kyle looked like he leaned forward, like he had something to say. All right, the uh, the the alarm went off, so good. Uh, yeah, well, essentially, that's uh, that's what ultimately led to us evolving career agent concepts into the collective agency council was the fact that we, you know, talking with the agents and and understanding, uh, you know, the bigger problem, you know, we started to get that like. It's more than a lead problem for a lot of these agents, and they need more help than what we're actually providing. And uh, quite frankly, we, we were also looking around the uh, you know the landscape, and every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's ever generated a, a lead on Facebook ha has a uh, has a course or a program at this point. And we were looking at things and said, you know what, we've uh, we've been doing the lead gen thing for a while. It's fun. We're you know what we're 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 still very good at it, uh, but. 
we have personally evolved our skill sets and our career quite a bit the last five years. But moreover, we've also developed this giant network of agents who, you know, whether they're clients through, you know, one of our, one of our, you know, one of our platforms or just someone that we've gotten to know through Insurance Soup, we have got this circle now of people that are just exceptional in various areas of agency. Like, you know, CJ Hudson Pillar is quite frankly, the most technologically forward-facing agent I've ever come across in my entire life. Like, like if I gave him 15 minutes, he could probably set off every every electronic behind you right now without without even asking. Uh, you know, Bradley Flowers is one of the best content producers in the industry. Uh, you know, Brian Blair and Matt Hahn are two of the more, you know more savvy automators uh, you know that that we've got in the industry and and all that kind of stuff. And you know, we've got you know all these people. Ron Wadley, great with SEO. Uh, Troy Johnson, great with community building. Uh, you know, we've got all these people that have that unbeknownst to us when they were coming to us had these incredible skills or have gone on to develop incredible skills since we've gotten to know them. And, uh, you know, with with regards to the evolution of career agent concepts towards the collective agency council, we saw an opportunity to take all these people that have been clients that became friends that are now people that, quite frankly, I go to when I've got questions about stuff like I'm not an SEO expert. Whenever I've got a question about SEO, I go to Ron. I'm not. I'm not the guy that can glue all technology together. I, I used to be, but I like. I, I don't. I, I'm not in the trenches doing it the way I used to do it. So now, when I've got to slap technology together, I can still write an ad. My copy is on point. I, I, you know, my targeting is fantastic. But if I got to slap tech together, hey, it's hey CJ. When do you have 15 minutes? You yep. know, stuff like that. But you know, we've been very fortunate to evolve to a place where it's no longer the Mike and Taylor show which quite frankly was exhausting. You know, it got to a point where it's just exhausting to constantly be the guy to a point where we've got, you know, this nice little circle with us that are pretty much able to solve any agent's problem that they're having in their agency without having it, without having it to be us all the time, yeah. which is uh, pr- better for the agent, quite frankly. Yeah, what's neat is I was going through uh, the schedule for the Soup Live event and out of all the speakers, we've got six of our clients that have joined over the last six years that have risen to be, you know, the, the expert in their field. Uh, we've got six that are going to be, you know, speaking from stage. So to see them go from someone quiet in a Facebook group, you know, looking to learn to being the expert and, you know, absolutely amazing at, at what they do uh, is, is just awesome. And certainly Bradley's a great example of that. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. funny story about Bradley Flowers. I, I don't know if I've ever even shared this with him. Uh, so this will this will be fun for him to to hear. He was the worst prospect, <laughs> the, just the friggin' worst. I had to talk to him like you, you almost times. you almost. I was going to say why was it the number of calls, number of questions? I mean, Bradley Bradley is very analytical about stuff. We got to we got to a point, and uh, and Taylor can vouch for this. We got to a point. Where I, uh, I I hit Taylor up before like the seventh or eighth call, and I was like, if he doesn't if he doesn't buy or make a decision today, I'm probably going to give it to him pretty good. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and he bought that day, but it was like the seventh or eighth call, and it was like you know each call was a half hour, forty minutes, and it, like I, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but it was just one sale. This we're, like we're not talking about like this is a big deal. This was this was one agent who I didn't really. I'm know pretty sure about. Bradley understands that at this point, right? Oh, oh yeah, he sure. would he would definitely agree with you. 
Oh, I'm sure. But, but, he, but I mean, you know, thank God that, you know, things worked out the way they did. Not simply because Bradley went on to, to do some cool stuff and, you know, we've, we've developed an ongoing relationship and whatnot. But because he, he's a, a genuinely good dude and, and someone that was, was definitely worth helping. And, geez, I, I, you know, I'm not taking credit for his success by any stretch of the imagination. But, but, but geez, like, what, look at what he's gone on to do. Like, it's been, yeah. it's been awesome. I just like the way Bradley thinks about stuff, man. And it shows that, you know, you can, if you're, if you're willing to listen, you can learn from anybody. Right. And that, that's not a knock on Bradley, but I think one of the biggest issues that the industry has is the older generation, not being willing to listen to the younger generation coming in. And as you guys know, look how much Facebook ads have changed since 2015, oh, right? So it's a constant reinvention of what your business model is going to be. And that's also exhausting for you because it's not just managing the people, but managing the product that you're delivering to those people. And so I'm kind of in that. And I feel like you guys are too. I'm, I'm in that tweener generation. I'm only, I'm 48. I'm not 50 yet. So I'm not really the old guy that's still sending out courier and Ives calendars at, at Christmas time to my clients every year, but I'm also, not Johnny Snapchat, right? I don't, yeah. I don't do that stuff. I don't understand it, but I'm smart enough to know that I need to have at least have somebody on my team that knows that stuff so that we can market to the next generation. Otherwise, who's going to be buying from me if I'm not marketing to them? And so to that point, I was in, I don't remember which group it was. It was, I was in one of the groups on Facebook with Bradley and it was, it was one of those times where somebody asked the there's, there's, you guys know this. There, there's just some questions you see over and over and over again. And this one happened to be, hey, I have an opportunity to um, advertise on golf scorecards for $300, right? What would you do? And there's all kinds of people who weigh in on that. And I saw that, I think just because I'm friends with Bradley on Facebook, it told me he commented on that thread because I hadn't interacted with it. And... So I decided, all right, this ought to be good. Let me go see what Flowers has to say about advertising on golf scorecards. It was epic. He told the dude, he's like, here's what you need to do. Go to the bank, get three crisp $100 bills, light them on fire, put it on TikTok and Facebook reels. You just got 100X the reach that you would ever get from golf scorecards. Yep. And the thing is, he's 100% right, man. Like yep. that's the thing. And I think that's where agents get stuck we're not willing to adapt to what to, to do to do what's necessary to really hit what our end goal is. Our end goal has never changed. Our end goal is to write business, and you're going to write business through getting opportunities. You're going to get opportunities through reach. That's where it ends, right? Yep. You got some people still trying to advertise on Facebook by boosting posts. Like that's going to get them where they need to be in the grand scheme of things. No, it's never going to get you where you need to be. Yeah. Why? You don't even need to boost it. Let it boost organically. Go light the bills on fire. Watch what happens. Yeah. I mean, we see it all the time with agents. Their ego, you know, once they, they start to, to do really well, their ego, like, it, it's a roadblock. It, it keeps them from going further because they're not willing to say, okay, I've got to continue to evolve. You know, I started five years ago, and the way I did things then, you know, isn't the same way now. I've got to evolve and stay current. And you'll see an agent go up and look at production, production, and then it'll start to, to level out, and then it'll start to go down. And until they make that adjustment and, and set their ego aside and say, okay, I need to, I need to be the student, and I need to learn new ways, uh, that's, once they're able to do that, you'll see it start to go back up, but you're, you're 100% correct. 
Yeah, rule number one, never quit being the student, period. Yeah. I don't care how successful you are. You always have the ability to learn. I, I can learn stuff from brand new agents in the industry because they just think about the industry differently than I do. Yep. Doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. They may they may say something that is completely, you know, uneducated by an agent's terms when in actual reality I could take that thought process and turn it into something that really works well in the industry. If I'm not willing to listen, that's not gonna happen. Exactly. Well, you know, you know what's funny about that? You 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 mentioned the the thought of being the eternal student. And I don't I don't know if uh if our own clients realize that uh that that is what a lot of the people in in the for lack of a better term and I hate the word, you know, the the guru status is within the industry. A, a big part of the reason that we're we're in, you know, these positions is because of the fact that we are constantly and always learning. Like right now, and this is and right now is no different than any other time in the last six years. Like we are in no less than like four or five courses or masterminds. I am currently in two separate masterminds that are both north of three thousand dollars a month. One for business, one for marketing, and like you don't get to that next level by watching the free YouTube video. You don't get to that next level by hoping for the magic nugget in the comment section of a Facebook post. You get there by putting the winners around you and glomming onto them and learning from them and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, call a spade a spade. Even your most guruist, guruiest gurus out there, when they're when they're dropping their nuggets on on social media, they're not giving you the gold. No, I tell people all the time, I'm yeah, if, if this is what I'm giving you for free, imagine what the good stuff looks like. Right. Like yeah. bite the damn hook. Bite but, the hook. But like, David, why won't you just give it all away for free? Yeah, like I, exactly. I, I I just need an hour to pick your brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was good when it was like five people a year. <laughs> Jeez, right? So what's this so event listen, coming up? Yeah, I was gonna say we we've talked about. I mean, we've built the foundation. Why live? Why? What? What was the tipping point for you guys? What made you decide you wanted to do this? And by the way, if you're if you've been listening to this, hanging on, wondering, I'm gonna tell you right now, this event is blowing up. There's not much room left. Michael messaged me yesterday on Facebook. And said that um, you know he wanted me to feel comfortable there as a speaker by having some of my people there because I'm not as active in soup as I as I am in other places. I'm I'm working on that, but I don't. I'm not the guy that's on Facebook all day. I use Messenger a lot to communicate with people, but that's from my phone. And he gave me a very limited number of coupon codes. So at the end of this, I'm going to announce how you can look at getting a coupon code to come to the event, but. I've got a very, I, I've got like five of them left. So you better reach out sooner than later, uh, or you're gonna you're gonna miss an opportunity. But all that being said, yeah, why uh, why live? Insurance Soup has been asking us to do a conference for years. Uh, you know, we've spoke on many stages and have, have spoke at many conferences and events, and they've asked us to host them, and we haven't done it for a couple of reasons. Uh, <laughs> one. They're a pain in the ass. Uh, they they really work, are. Man. A lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, but two, we're just so busy with everything else um, that we, we've pushed it to the back burner, you know, for so long. And finally, we said, all right, let's let's do it. 
now in typical fashion, we said, okay, we'll do, you know, a couple of them a year and we'll try to keep it, you know, around a hundred agents. And that was the plan. And then I sent Mike the venue and I was like, Hey, instead of doing it small, why don't we just go like way over the top and, and do it right. And we both agreed and, you know, we've rented out Texas live. It's, it's right next to the Ranger stadium in Arlington. You can see the Cowboys stadium across the water, uh, killer, killer venue. And it's May 5th and 6th. And one thing that, you know, Mike and I have, have taken away from just about every event we've attended is, you know, agents don't like to be sold from stage. If they're paying to go somewhere, they don't want to feel like they're, they're just being sold by everyone up there. So our number one thing from the very get-go was, you know, it's going to be value. There's not going to be any sales pitches from stage. You're not going to be pressured into buying anything. We want the agents to leave with so much value. We're giving them all the slide decks from the speakers. We've got USBs that are going to have, you know, systems and operational, you know, commission trackers, business plans, ways to structure your schedule, uh, agency handbooks, like all the, the things that agents won't take the time to sit down and do, uh, they're going to receive. So, th- you know, the goal is for them to come. We're, we're, we're catering lunch on Thursday, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Guy Fieri has a, a taco restaurant there at Texas Live. So we're catering tacos on Thursday. Uh, we've tacos got a happy hour. Oh, tacos Dude, are the Guy best. Guy Fieri loves food, man. His oh, actor, he does. Like, you know what I tell you what I want to see? I want to see the outtakes of when he goes to these places on diners, drive-ins, and dives and takes a bite of something that absolutely sucks. Man. I've never <laughs> seen him eat something that he doesn't like. That's I'll, a I'll good have, point. I'll Triple D send, is the best, by the way. Oh, I love, love it when they go to Key West. Yeah. yeah. Triple have, D and Key West are my favorite episodes. I'll, I'll send you a link, David, after this. Uh, it's kind of like behind the scenes from 15 to 20, you know, restaurants, their experience. And you get huh. about, like, I think 30 minutes to an hour of actual time with him. And it's, like, insanely strict. Uh, you can't have customers in. That day, it's completely closed. Those are public. all extras. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they, like, set it up. My wife yep. was telling me about that. I've never seen the video. But yeah. Interesting. Really? It is. So, all, so everybody on the show is just people they bring in? Yeah. There's huh. no actual okay. customers in. Um, like, <laughs> like they, hey, friend, never seen you around the neighborhood at the diner before. <laughs> yeah. He'll send a list of ingredients. Well, it's interesting because they, like, interview people sometimes, right. too. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is the best goulash I've ever had. He'll send a list of ingredients that you can't use and things that, you know, he doesn't like. Like, it's... Like after huh. like watching this, I was like, man, like that, that changes my view on the shot. I still love it. Yeah, no I still kidding. want to see him without his hat and his visor because you know he just won't be the Dude, same. There, there is somebody in China that made a fortune off of making those visors with the built-in guy hair. Oh yeah, like, oh, for sure. Yep, for sure. He, I hope he's getting a royalty off that. <laughs> what, what, what's What's funny though is uh, is is the, a lot of those reality shows are uh, just about as real as what you're seeing on social media. You know, throughout the day, <laughs> yeah, and, and you <laughs> right? don't you don't even realize it. My uh, my wife used to work in television before we started uh, before we started having babies and all that kind of stuff, and the stuff that she would tell me around uh, some of the 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 re, you know reality shows uh, that weren't real. You know, she she worked for Women's Entertainment for a while, and and the the show Bridezilla's was uh, was brand spanking new, and uh, and they she was part of the team that brought that to the to the network, and you know she would talk about you know how fake it really was and how the brides were being instructed to really lose their minds and oh, yeah. you know all that kind of stuff but uh what, what's funny it's it's across the board you know I, 
I didn't know that about Guy Fieri, but my wife is really into a show about this uh, Alaskan family that, that live out in the wilderness and build a house and the whole nine, da 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 And about three years ago, I found an article that said that uh, they, they are not building a house out in the wilderness. They're doing it for TV, but they stay at the local hotel, right? right, like, right. They take a chopper <laughs> in. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Wow. But yeah. No, the event's going to be awesome. Um, we've got some really, really awesome speakers. We've got the King Commercial yourself, uh, Jack Jameson. <laughs> Uh, you know, known as kind of the king of life insurance in the farmer's world. Uh, we've got Chris Paradiso, uh, Troy Korsgaden, uh, of course, Bradley Flowers, CJ, uh, Ron Wadley. Uh, we've got a, a handful of just awesome speakers that the two days is going to be packed. If you could nice. see the schedule of how much we're, we're cramming in to try to really maximize the time with, uh, you know, with the agents. But we also want it to be fun. Uh, you know, we've got the happy hour Thursday night at Sports and Social. It's got bowling alley, uh, axe throwing, uh, not real axes. Uh, Mike can leave his battle axe at home. <laughs> uh, but it, it'll be a, a really fun event. Friday, uh, Pudge's Pizza uh, is catering Friday's lunch. And then we've got the VIP. So we're only selling 30 VIP tickets. And we've got all the speakers, uh, you know, that are going to be speaking. And we've got a VIP dinner. It's going to be prime rib, grilled chicken. Um, drinks and dude, it's I've gonna... seen the meat on your table. Okay, I, I've seen the spread that you put out. I would <sighs> fly to Arlington just to have that dinner. <laughs> Man, you come down and and I'll cook for you. I love to cook. Uh, my wife, we're we're about to start building a house, and I've got very few requests. I want a gun room, and I want my outdoor kitchen. And beyond that, yep. I don't care what she does with the house beyond that. I'm like, those are my two requests. Well, you're never I... going to be anywhere but those two places. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Who cares? Uh, I'm with no, you on the outdoor kitchen. That's a, we're, we're looking at houses, and that's a, it is. That, that's a box that's got to be checked. Yeah. I've got six different grills and smokers right now, and I was like, yeah. I will condense those down if I can design the outdoor kitchen that I want. Right. Uh, so... No, it, it, it'll be fun. VIP dinner, I'm really looking forward to. Um, we're keeping it small at 30 for a reason because we want the, you know, the VIP guests to have that one-on-one -on -one time and be able to actually spend time with the speakers. And it's that, that's what will wrap up Friday for the event is the VIP dinner. So we're really looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to Saturday to be able to take a breath, uh, have a cold drink, and you know, start planning the next one. Uh, when well, that well, will be, I have no idea, but, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely been a handful. Ultimately, the reason that we, uh, we decided to go from, uh, you know, smaller, more intimate little, like, you know, 100, 150 agent, uh, events to something a little bit bigger here is because when, uh, when Taylor and, uh, and, uh, Paige, one of, one of our, our staff down in Texas went and actually saw this venue, it kind of dawned on them that. Out of anywhere that we've spoken, anywhere that we've, you know, attended, anywhere that we've been invited, where there's been a conference or a brouhaha or whatever, uh, you know, there's never a, a, been a huge focus on keeping everyone together. Like the event, the event goes off and then the day ends and then, you know, these 10 people shoot out to this place for dinner and these 15 go out to that bar and this one and, and these 10 go, you know, wind up here. And Texas Live has got, I believe, 10 restaurants and bars right there at the exact same location where, you know, all the speakers are going to be, you know, speaking from stage. 
and we're looking at it as an opportunity for the the hundreds that are going to be in attendance here to all remain intact and together well into the evening because as much fun as these events are as much uh as much education or value is being delivered from stage my personal experience has always been you get the most out of the time in between the event with everyone that's in attendance whether it's networking relationship building uh you know exchanging exchanging strategies and whatnot uh you know the 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 thunder uh that everyone is looking for from stage and and you know ideally is getting from stage uh, always happens with a good group in attendance that's hanging out and staying together and all that kind of stuff. So Texas Live became a no-brainer for us to throw a bigger event, knowing that we could keep everyone hanging out and and you know enjoying each other. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I I would literally buy tickets to an event that had no speakers, just two days in the room with winners. Um, I mean, when you surround yourself with with people that are looking to grow and have the same mindset and to look, you know, to be better, uh, what you take away from those conversations and those relationships that you build while you're there, uh, is, it's worth the price of admission to, to any event. Cool deal. Well, listen, guys, we've been going about an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. Really appreciate you coming on and spending time with us in the midst of a fire alarm and all of the <laughs> other stuff. I don't, I don't know that it would have turned out any better if we didn't have any distractions. And for everybody who heard what I said earlier, I have a very, very limited number of coupon codes that I can give to my inner circle. I think I have like five left and truthfully space in the event is running out. So if you want to get one of those coupon codes, email me david at floridariskpartners.com. I want you to use the subject line coupon code. If you don't use that, I will delete your email and not read it. So use coupon code so that I can sort by subject and just give me a couple of sentences telling me why, why you deserve a coupon code to save you over 50% off your admission. And I'll tell you why I think you should have it. So with that being said, guys, I really appreciate it, man. This was a fun yeah. time. It flew by. Yeah, truthfully. no, definitely appreciate you it's having good us. good to have you on. And uh, I look forward to releasing this. We're going to push this out um, next week so that we can get some awareness about the event out there. But uh, I'm going to leak the video version of it out to YouTube this afternoon. So awesome. I'm going to send awesome. it back to my, my oldest and let him get to producing right, right away. And we'll have this thing out today. So thanks so much, everybody else. Listen, people. Go on iTunes and leave a review for crying out loud. Oh, come Kyle, on, come on, man. I mean, I mean, I don't know what else we have to do. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Jason Cass doesn't give nearly the value we do on his podcast. <laughs> his reviews show oh. it. But, you know, the fact that he has 35 and we're still not even at 100 is kind of, you know, embarrassing to me. I, That's I like to at least Do we have to send people, people gummy bears? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, it like, might be. It might be. Come on, you got to start sending them tacos, Kyle. There you go. There you go. Everybody, we'll catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 